Terry has been preaching through First um, John, and last week's sermon ended up coinciding with uh, talking about the Antichrist and coinciding with his Wednesday night Bible study that he just started. How many of you all have been part of that on Wednesday night? Show your hands. The room looks full, doesn't it, when it's here on Wednesday nights? We've had, we've been running close to 800 people on Wednesday nights uh, through two weeks in the fall, in our fall semester. Um, God is definitely doing something here at this church right now. Uh, the other number that, uh, no offense to the crowds, that I'm more excited about is I looked this past week and we've baptized 58 people in this year since 2022 started. Um, and, and when we see big numbers like that, when we see big crowds like that, I often think about what, what's going on in those lives, especially in the new uh, lives of new believers who are coming to Jesus. Uh, an old story is told about a father and his son who were walking along the road one day with a donkey. Soon they met a man who told them how foolish they were to be walking when they had a donkey right here with them that could be ridden. And so the father and son decided to hop on the donkey. They hadn't gone very far when they passed another man who criticized them for riding this donkey. The two of them together, he said, were far too heavy for this poor animal, and he told them that they were being inhumane. So... The boy got off and walked beside the donkey. A few more miles down the road, a third traveler accused his father of being, this father of being inconsiderate for making his son walk while he rode. So the two of them switched places. Soon again, they met another traveler who said that the son was not being thoughtful to his father, who after all was much older than this selfish son. When last seen, these two men were still traveling down this same road, carrying a donkey. <laughs> I like that story. As Christians, sometimes I think it's easy for us to feel like these two poor guys with the donkey. We're just traveling down the road, doing our best to live lives that we're called to live in Christ, but often it seems like that's easier said than done. Life changes, we face challenges and struggles of all kinds, we face criticism from the outside world, even sometimes maybe from within the church, and sometimes we're left wondering if we're doing this thing, if we're walking this journey right at all. Today I want to start and end with the same Verse. It's not going to be our main verse. We're actually going to be in Acts chapter 16 studying today. But I want to start with a verse from Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. See, this is discipleship. We're seeing people coming in uh, to what we might call the delivery room where they're baptized into faith in Christ, where they first are, are brand new Christians and giving their life to the Lord. But what does it look like to actually, after that moment, follow Jesus? Jesus says, 
anybody that wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must take up their cross, must follow me. I've often heard it put this way. I've heard Terry put it this way over the many years that I've listened to his preaching. He says something along these lines. Jesus conquered death once and for all by walking out of the grave. And then he said two simple words, follow me. Terry even said it with me. Uh, and, And on its head, that sounds easy, right? That sounds simple enough. It's just two words. It's an easy enough concept to understand. Those who are truly Jesus' disciples will follow Jesus, right? That's not too hard. And yet in practice, maybe especially for the church today, sometimes it's anything but easy to know how do we follow Jesus with our lives, not just in belief, not just in claiming to follow Jesus, but in actually following him. And so today, uh, as you're following along with your notes on the back of the bulletin, that's the first question. And it's a simple place to start. Do you desire to follow Jesus? Notice the way that's phrased. It's not, do you believe in Jesus? It's not, do you agree that Jesus is who the Bible says Jesus is? Do you agree with what the Bible says? Do you think this is truth? But, but let's make it practical today. Do you desire to follow Jesus with your life? Not in theory, but in practice. Do you desire to be someone who is seen by others living a life that is following after where Jesus and the Spirit of God are leading them? Because I'm I'm not going to say that a lot of people in the church don't desire that. But I'm going to say a lot of people in the church aren't living that. And so today we're going to look at an example of this very idea in the book of Acts. If you've got your Bibles there, you can turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at Paul and those who are traveling with Paul in his second missionary journey. Uh, And what does it look like sometimes to actually follow Jesus with our lives. So let's go ahead and dive in. We're actually going to read it in sections, and we're going to read most of chapter 16 of Acts today before we close. Let's start with verse 6. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they entered in, tried to enter into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen this vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. May God today bless the reading of his word. Today we're going to look at what does it look like to actually follow Jesus. Not in theory, but in practice. In actually following him, following his guiding, what his spirit would lead us to do 
in our lives. And we're going to find some truths about that endeavor, about what it looks like for the church to follow Christ that might be a little uncomfortable today, or at the very least might be not what we would love to hear. Here's the first one. It's in your notes. Following Jesus means that my plans might fail. Following Jesus with my life means that my plans might fail. It's very clear, and we'll discuss this here more in a moment, that where Paul and his companions go in Acts chapter 16, where they end up in this um, missionary work, is not where they intended to go. It is not where they initially set out to go. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, it's the start of what we call Paul's second missionary journey. In Acts chapter 15, right before that, give you some background, Paul and Barnabas have been in Jerusalem for what we know as the Jerusalem Council, where the church decided what to do with these Gentile believers that Paul is converting that are coming to Christ through Paul's missionary work, and whether or not they needed to adhere to the Old Testament law, to the Jewish traditions, to the standards of, that the Jews were living according to. And once that issue is settled, they get ready to go on another missionary journey. Back to the Gentiles, back into Gentile territory. But we see at the end of chapter 15, right before where we started today, that this does not end up being the journey that Paul first expected it was going to be. Look this time at Acts chapter 15. Verses 36 through 41. And this is the tail end of, um, basically, this is kind of the conclusion of the first missionary journey right before we begin number two. Acts 15, 36 says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that Paul, that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. You see, this is not the way that Paul, especially when we get further into Acts chapter 16, we're going to see this is not the way that Paul planned things to go. I don't know if you're like me, if you're much of a planner. Uh, the, The older I get, the more I really like to have things in line. And you know what the Lord did with that about eight years ago? He sent me a wife who is the opposite of that. Who doesn't care to have an agenda? You know, her day is just like whatever, you know, wherever the wind takes us today. And my plan is shot by nine o'clock some mornings. And, and that's me. That's the idea is that, that I, you know, I'm a to-do list guy. I am an in my mind. I know what today should be. And how often do you think that ends up the way that I thought today should be? 
It's really not a great tact for a minister to have, by the way, who is planning, who, who's claiming to follow Jesus because um, a lot of times our plans get shot. There's a lot said about making plans. Benjamin Franklin once said, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. And yet even if you plan, sometimes those plans fail. Uh, it was Robert Frost that said, the best known plans of mice and men often go astray. And what about this one? I've heard this one. I think this is interesting considering today's topic today. Have you ever heard this one? If you want to make God laugh, you know what the rest of it is? Tell him about your plans. That one sounds good, right? That one might be scriptural, right? No, Woody Allen said that. Not, that's not from the Bible. But sometimes it's true. It seems that if I plan too much in this idea of following Jesus, either one of two things happen. Either I'm too stuck to what I think we're supposed to do, or the truth is that God just comes and blows that plan out of the water. And so sometimes we have to understand that in following Jesus, my plans... Even maybe where I think he's leading me in this point in my relationship with him might not work out the way that I thought they were going to. It's really an issue of, of who's in charge here. Number two, the next line means, uh, the next line in your notes is this, trusting Jesus means, following Jesus rather, means trusting that he may have a better way. So why is it that our plans are frustrated so often in following Christ? Why is it that what we set out to do is not often what Christ calls us to do? Is it that God just likes to mess with us and send us on messed up journeys and think, well, they, they think they know what's going on, I'll show them. No, it's because God has a better way than we do. It's because... My way of following Jesus is not often the best way. And God has a better plan. In fact, look at what keeps happening in this passage we just read. Look at verses 6 and 7. We have two instances here, and you're going to have two little fill-in-the-blanks. I want you to notice these words. Verse 6, let's start there. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, these are where some of the churches before had, had been planted. Having been kept, there's the word, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. I think that's very interesting. They're planning to go to Asia, and somehow the Spirit keeps them from going. Look at the next one in Acts chapter 16, the very next verse. All right, we're not going to Asia. Let's try something else. Verse 7 says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now, we don't know how or why this is happening. We really don't know. We're not told the, the why of why this was a bad idea or why Paul and Silas were not going to go and preach in Asia or why they weren't going to go into the town of Bithynia. And we really don't know the how either, do we? Now, it says the Spirit 
of Jesus kept them or would not allow them. But we don't know, is this some sort of conviction feeling that Paul has from the Spirit? Is this just understood that, you know what, this just doesn't feel right? Is this some sort of uh, voice that somebody hears that says, you know, don't, don't go there? Uh, somebody in our uh, Philippians Colossians study this past week suggested maybe it was just the travel plans kept coming to a halt. Maybe it was just stuff just kept getting in the way of what they were planning to do. I know last year, I think it was in 2021, our church planned that it was going to take another trip to Israel. And yet because of restrictions with COVID and visa paperwork and all this stuff, guess what? That didn't happen. That was the plan, and it seemed to be a plan that was initiated by God. Let's take another group here. And yet sometimes things just stand in the way of being able to do that sort of thing. And I think sometimes, I think in the last couple of years, we've had a lot of those things are standing in the way moments. It doesn't mean that God is not leading his church. It doesn't mean that God doesn't desire to do things through his people. But maybe sometimes things are going to stand in the way of doing so. So, does that mean that we quit? If our plans fail, does that mean that God didn't want us to go in the first place? Do Paul and Silas just stop this second missionary journey and pack up and go home? No, instead... They continue to follow Christ and his leading. Here's the next line in your notes. Let's go on. Following Jesus means that trusting that he will provide the opportunities. Following Jesus means he will be the one to provide the opportunities. If something stops working and, and, and there's a barrier in the way, then don't give up and think, well, that was the thing we were going to do. The plan shot, but instead, watch for God to give you other opportunities to serve Him and to follow His leading. Look again at what happens in verse 9 of, of Acts 16. It says, during the night, this is just after they had been stopped from going to Asia, they were prevented from going to Bithynia, and finally look at what happens. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And so we finally start to see maybe the why, what the why might be to this, this travel plans, this problem with why they couldn't go in the first place. Why didn't they get to go strengthen the churches in Asia or preach to the town of Bithynia? Because there was an urgent need in Macedonia. The Spirit of Christ reveals to Paul in a vision where they're needed to go. And church, that brings up the next point that we're going to talk about today. Is following Jesus means being willing to go. Because what good are all the plans and all the prayers and all the following after Jesus if when he says go, we don't go? Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 10. What did Paul do? After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready. What are those two words? At once. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
You see, Macedonia wasn't on Paul's travel itinerary. Macedonia wasn't one of the stops they were going to make. And yet the Spirit of Christ makes it clear that that is where this missionary journey will take Paul and his companions instead. And so as we continue to follow Paul and Silas and those guys, as we continue to study Acts chapter 16 today, we're going to see exactly where that vision leads them. Let's take a look. Uh, This time, Acts 16, verses 11 through 15. It says, from Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So this is when we start to see this picture play out as we follow Christ with our lives. Even if our plans get detoured, even if we don't end up where we thought we were going to be, we can start to see, if we continue to follow, we can start to see the fruits of that plan. Right away, they're in the city they've never been to before. They're in the city of Philippi that they did not intend to go to. And right away, what just so happens... By the way, I don't believe in just so happens when you're following God with your life. Right away, they run into Lydia, and she and her family come to faith in Jesus. And this conversion experience in the book of Acts doesn't happen if Paul and his companions weren't willing to be flexible to follow Christ, And if they weren't willing to step out of what was comfortable for them, and if they weren't willing to simply say, we will follow you wherever you lead. In fact, did you notice where Lydia's from? Anybody notice what city she was from? She's from the city of Thyatira. You know anything about Thyatira? It's in Revelation. It's one of the seven churches that Paul, that Paul, that John writes to. And where are those seven churches at? In Asia. So Paul does not go to Asia. Paul is supposed to go to Asia. They, they tried to go to Asia, and God does not allow them to go to Asia. And then yet what happens? He gets to Philippi, and he converts a woman from Asia, from Thyatira in Asia. And maybe those connections then start to do some of that work that Paul thought that he was supposed to be doing. If we're following Jesus with our lives, we have to be willing, church, to go where he leads us. And the next note, uh, line in your notes, it, it goes right along with what Paul's doing here. Following Jesus means being, being willing to do something new. And sometimes the older we get, new 
becomes difficult. And new becomes uncomfortable. In fact, don't forget that this wasn't Paul's plan for this journey at all. Look again at Acts 15, 36. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back to visit the believers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see what they are doing, see how they are doing. This was, Paul's plan was just kind of a a greatest hits traveling of of the places they'd been to before, of the churches that they had founded in the first place. His plan is he's going to have Barnabas with him, and they're going to go travel to the places they just came from. And yet that's not what happens at all. In fact, Philippi is not only a place they've never been before, it's a brand new city to the Word of God. In fact, Philippi in the region of Macedonia is the first time that the book records, the book of Acts records the message of God traveling into Europe. Paul and his companions intended to stay in Asia and make a trip strengthening the churches in that region, but that's not what happens at all. In fact, Philippi is a Roman colony, and they have to change their plans for this journey and do something new. Look back at verses 12 through 13 one more time. It says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak with the women who had gathered there. Is this the normal practice of Paul when he goes into a city? No, this is is not what normally happens. In fact, in his previous travels, the first place Paul goes to is the Jewish synagogue in whatever city they're in to minister to the Jews in that town first who would at least have some foundation of Old Testament scriptures to build upon. But Philippi is a Roman colony. Philippi does not seem, at least by the text we're reading, to have a Jewish synagogue. Instead, they go to find what they think it says might be We expected to find a place of prayer. And that's where God starts to show them his plans for their journey. You think it's easy when God derails your plans? We've been supporting uh, friends of ours in this church who have been uh, missionaries overseas for a long time. And, And when COVID happened, it derailed them from where they were planning to go, from where their heart was in Asia. All these travel plans didn't work out, and yet God directed them to brand new work in a place that they never thought that they would be. And now God has another avenue. God has another way to bring more people to him because we were willing to step out and say, I'm not comfortable with this. This doesn't feel like the right thing to do. This doesn't mesh with my plans. Maybe we've never even done this before. And yet those are the moments of faith where God uses his people who are willing to be obedient to say, you never had to have this stuff together in the first place. Let me show you what I can do. God instead wants to show us what his plans are for our life, not to confirm and improve on our plans, 
If the church in America is failing or shrinking or dying, and in many local areas, I think it is, I believe that sometimes it's because we're not willing to do something new to follow Jesus. Instead, I think so often we get hung up in our traditions and our programs and what we think ministry is, that we find that sometimes maybe the Spirit of God isn't even leading anymore. By the way, I don't think that's the only thing that tends to lead the church off God's path today. Here's another big one in your notes that the church struggles with today. The next line is this, following Jesus could mean great personal risk. Following Jesus could mean, and here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's where theory turns into practice and practice gets hard. Is sometimes following Jesus could mean great personal risk. We have this moment in Philippi where where Paul thinks, hey, this is exactly where we're supposed to be. Lydia and her family, they didn't know Jesus, and now they know Jesus. Now we've got the seeds of a church in this Roman colony. And let's look and see what happens in the very next passage in Acts chapter 16. This time, let's look at verses 16 through 24. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. And finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. You see, church, I think this is another area where the church today often stops following the leading of God in their lives. A few years back, Terry preached through the book of Acts for several weeks. And he said something in those messages several times throughout that series that stuck with me. Here's what he said. He said, the more that he studied the book of Acts, the more he realized that the church today doesn't look anything like the church in the book of Acts. And I agree with that statement. I don't think the church in America very often resembles the church in the book of Acts. And if I'm being honest today, I think one of the major reasons for that difference is because it doesn't cost us anything. It's because being a part of the church in America, think about it, it doesn't cost me much. 
Was it, what does it cost me to put, to, to, to claim to be a part of the church? What does it cost me to claim to follow Jesus, to put Christian on a couple of boxes, on a couple of forms? What is it really costing me as an average attender of church in America? An hour on Sundays? An hour and a half, two hours on Sundays? A couple hours on Wednesday night? Tenth of my tithe if, if I choose to do that? Maybe I have to wait on Nineveh Road a, a couple more minutes on Wednesday night for the crowd to get out and I don't get the best spot at the Mexican restaurant afterwards? Seriously, what is it costing the church? There are people in China laying their lives down for the gospel. And we come in and we do this church thing and we just go back to our regular lives like it really doesn't affect us. Because it's become easy. And, and this is the thing that blows the mind is that we're told that our forefathers came here for this idea so that they could have religious freedom, right? So that they could live in a country where they could be free to worship. And what has that freedom to worship brought us? It's brought a, a faith that doesn't cost us a thing. And you know what? Since COVID, I, it's even easier. I can just watch it online. I can, I can just turn on my TV and sit in my pajamas. And it's not costing me anything. And, I, and it's no wonder that the church isn't in love with following Jesus wherever he leads because we've become comfortable in this easy Christianity. And it's not at all the pattern of the Bible. It's not at all the pattern of the church in the book of Acts. In fact, in, in those days, the reason the, the, the Jews are spread out all over the world where Paul eventually comes is because that persecution, go read Acts chapter 7, go read Acts chapter 8, that persecution has sent them to cause them to lose their homes. They're spread out among the world, and that's what starts the seeds of the church. You see, Paul realized pretty early on in his ministry in Philippi that preaching the gospel in these Roman Gentile areas was likely going to cost him a lot. And it did. Eventually, Paul would face imprisonment, beatings, shipwrecks, and eventually his own life because he chose to follow Jesus. That's not easy. That's something that I, I wonder if it were put in front of the average American church attender today. Is the cost too much? But there's one last thing we're going to discover today about following Jesus, and it's the most important one. It says this in your notes. It says, but, despite the cost, but following Jesus means God will be glorified. Paul and Silas are in jail. Paul and Silas have their feet in the stocks. All because they freed a girl from demon possession. 
All because they came to preach to a town that needed to know Jesus. But let's look at what happens in the last passage we're going to read from Acts 16 today. Verses 25 through 34. What can Jesus do? And if you're, and if you're somebody that struggles with following with all of your life, just look at this passage and say, what can Jesus do by you being obedient even when it's hard? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then he, then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. You think that was an important night for that jailer? You think that was a life-changing, life-shattering night for that jailer? And yet it came in a moment where he thought it was all over. It came in a moment where he's watching two guys in jail. It doesn't come because Paul, he doesn't ask to to, to know more because Paul and, uh, preaches some wonderful message to him. He asks to know more because he sees the faith of these two guys who are in jail and still, after an earthquake, are still holding on to their faith. And from that moment, God, through the work of Paul and Silas, brings faith to that man's family. It's not easy to wish to follow Jesus quite to the extent that the Apostle Paul did in the book of Acts, right? Even if we want to follow Jesus, we kind of hope that we, we fall somewhere a little shy of what Paul, it cost Paul, right? It's easy to get comfortable in our Christianity enough that it really doesn't cost us anything. We claim to believe we, we claim to believe in Christ. We claim to belong to Christ. But the truth is, some of us stopped following him with our lives a long time ago because the cost was too high. But what if Paul and Silas had stopped? What if Paul and Silas had stopped when the cost got too high? Then they would have missed what God desired to do in the city of Philippi and through their ministry. And we haven't read every verse of Acts chapter 16. I encourage you to go back and do so. But I want to close with verse 40 today. I want you to look at 
one of the last verses. This is after they're released from prison and they're about to leave. And look at what happens in verse 40. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And then they left. Do you see it? Do you see what's happened here? Paul and Silas do not stay long in Philippi. In fact, when the magistrates reached them and released them from prison, they basically urged them to leave town. But before they left, there was a church in this Roman city. They come to Lydia's house where the brothers and sisters are gathered in Christ. And guess what? That didn't happen. That, that wasn't there before. There wasn't a body of believers in Philippi before Paul and Silas followed this Macedonian call. And somewhere around 10 years later, Paul would write a letter to the church that he helped start in Philippi. Even though all those years ago, it had landed him in jail. And guess what? When he wrote the book of Philippians 10 years later, Paul was also in prison, this time in Rome. I want us to look at just a couple of verses from Philippians chapter 1. And this is again, Paul writing to the people, Lydia and the jailer and these guys that were part of this church that he had started in Acts chapter 16. Philippians 1, 12 through 14 says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened has actually served to advance the gospel. What's he talking about? He's talking about his imprisonment. Verse 13 says, As a result, it has been become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, because of my imprisonment, because of my suffering, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Church, following Jesus does not mean that your plans will succeed. Following Jesus does not mean that it's going to be easy for you. Or that you're going to be commended and applauded along the way. After he got out of prison, they begged him to leave their city. In fact, if we consider the early church example in the book of Acts, and use it, and not this thing that I'm seeing from the American church, but use God's Word as a template for what the church is supposed to look like, then we see that it very often means the opposite. It very often means that I might lose my life for believing in Jesus. Paul did. Most of the disciples did. Tradition says that John, who wrote Revelation and 1 John and 2 John and 3 John, was exiled to Patmos because they couldn't kill him. 
And so to just get rid of him, they exiled him. And guess what happened? God gave him a vision that nobody else ever got the opportunity to see. And that vision is something we still teach and preach today. And it wouldn't have happened if ordinary people didn't say, following Jesus is worth it, even if it does not go the way that I want it to go. Following Jesus is what Christians It's what we've committed to. When we stand in the water, we say we have them repeat those words. Not just the I believes, not just the confession of faith, but also that I accept him as two things. That I accept him as my Lord and as my Savior. That I'm asking him to save me and I am promising to follow him and his will as my master. Church today, here's the question. Do we desire to follow Jesus Christ with our lives? Because it could cost a great deal. But what it does mean is that in doing so, God can and will do His work and produce His fruit through the lives that are truly yielded to him. God was glorified and people were saved because Paul and Silas did not do what they planned, did not do what was comfortable, did not do what came easy, did not shrink back when trouble came. And God's church grew because of it. We're seeing persecuted churches. We're seeing churches in persecuted parts of our world that are having to meet in hidden places to proclaim their faith, to hear a message, to read a Bible. And those places are thriving in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The work is spreading in places like that in ways they never had. And it's under strict and terrible persecution. So I'm not here to tell you today what God desires to do in and through your life and what things may come because you're believing in him or what persecution may come upon the church that holds fast and truly holds to the word of God. But today I want to ask you the question, are you willing not to, not, not do you believe in Christ Not do you want to belong to Christ, but do you desire to follow Christ with your life? We'll close today where we started in Matthew 16, 24. It's the last two blanks in your notes. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And church, that's the challenge to each and every one of us. He didn't say we were going to be saved and found faith and salvation and and redemption and forgiveness of sins and then just go back to what you were doing before. That's not the way it works. Anyone, he says, who would 
be my disciple, who would follow after him, must deny myself, take up his cross. That's an image of death. That's an image of submission. And follow Jesus. I'm going to ask Chad and the band to come out as we close today. And as we do, I, I want this to be, this is a time of invitation. And if God is, is calling you to make a decision, Terry says every week, the answer is yes. But let's not be unclear about what we're saying yes to. That in choosing to follow Jesus, I'm laying down my stuff. That in choosing to follow him, I'm laying down my agendas. I'm laying down my ideas. I'm laying down my plans. And I'm saying, I'm willing to follow you. Wherever you go. Wherever you would show me. If my to-do list is blown by Monday morning at 8 o'clock, then I believe that God's got a better thing. I believe that God's got a better way. I believe that God desires to lead me, not because I've got good ideas, not because I'm a smart and capable boy, but because God can do bigger things than this guy can ever ask or imagine. Then we, as a church of, of a thousand people on Sunday morning, could ever ask and imagine. But not if I follow me. That's if I'm willing to lay down everything I've got and to follow Jesus with my life. Let's pray. Father, today, we, I do it again. I ask you to take away me. I ask you to take away my ideas, my plans, my agendas. And God, show me what you want for me. Show me what you could do through me. Because God, I'm, I'm not capable of anything on my own. God, show me what you would have for us. Show us what you would have for the church. That it wouldn't be about being comfortable. That it wouldn't be about being safe and protected. That it wouldn't be about any of these things that we've assembled our safe Christian faith to be, but that you would be blessed and you would be glorified through your church yielding their lives as living sacrifices to you. So convict us today, draw us today, and show us, God, what you would have if we would follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation is open today.